0: Fight back this time, shall we? Bring the forward cannons online. Go! And tell Archer we're not even anymore. He owes me. Transfer
1: complete. Hello and welcome to Subspace Transmissions, the podcast where two Trek fans step into the arena and tackle the best, worst, weirdest, wildest, and everything in between that Star Trek has to offer. I'm Cam Smith and joining me on the bridge.
0: This is Tyler Orton
1: practicing his Urkel dance. And we're here this week to talk about Star Trek's surprise breakout characters, of which there are many in the cosmos
0: of Trek. Yeah, Cam, what exactly is, like, a breakout character, though? Like, how are we going to define it as we go from series to series? Well, it's tough, because I think, like,
1: when I was putting my notes together, I was trying to delineate between a surprise breakout character and a breakout character. Because, for example, in my mind, when they add Seven of Nine to Voyager... They are trying to engineer a fan-favorite character. Versus some of the other ones, it was kind of a surprise. Like, I don't think they knew going in that that character would explode in popularity. So, to me, those are kind of the more interesting
0: ones. Okay, so you did not answer my question here. Uh, For listeners, I'm going (laughs) to... I'm going to help you out. Um, Like essentially like a breakout character is somebody who like the the show was never meant to be centered on. And so that's why I made Mm. the reference to Steve Urkel at the start of the show, you know, and Family Matters started is supposed to be focused on, you know, the the whole Winslow family, that clan. And then their next door neighbor, Steve, suddenly, you know, you had this combination of writing and acting. It all comes together. This recurring character suddenly became kind of the centerpiece of the show. I don't know if we have any breakout characters that suddenly become the centerpiece of Star Trek. It's always been like a captain-specific show. There are some shows that are maybe more ensembles than others. I would say, you know, Lower Decks was never really meant to be a captain-specific show. I'd say otherwise, like, maybe kind of the... it's a bit of a different equation when it comes to Star Trek, but I'm gonna look at it like how some characters maybe came into the scene and kind of shook things up in a way that maybe was not originally intended for, and and really kind of brought a gravitas to them and became fan favorites.
1: Yeah, and I think like that's one thing like Star Trek, even though it is captain centric, it has these like large ensemble casts and so many guest stars. There's so many opportunities for someone to come in and shift the direction. And some shows I'm sure we're gonna tackle today were really heavily impacted by these kind of surprising introductions to the show that just completely just changed up everything that the show would deliver going forward.
0: Oh, I thought you were gonna say they're really heavily influenced by family matters, but um, you know, Oh,
1: well that too. Urkelbot, okay. um going back in time. I mean these are all elements of things we've seen on Star Trek. <laughs> That's very true. Um yeah. Urkel was the android of his day. <laughs> was there wait, was there a Stefan Urkel type of Star Trek story?
0: there was right oh yeah uh J- julian bashir when he started off as like <laughs> a total dweeb jerk and then turned into like a kind of a cool character everybody liked that's true but there i'm trying to think there has to be a like
1: an episode where a character undergoes like a, a change in personality right what about um
0: 7 of 9 like didn't like i remember there's definitely the episode i think it was called body and soul in which uh she and oh, the yeah. uh doctor kind of um or the doctor is able to kind of control her motor inputs or whatever but that's not exactly kind of the same thing i, I know what you're talking about yeah oh, i Cam. feel like there's a real hmm. dummies uh the um uh, what was the episode uh shreds uh of uh, strange new worlds season two in which yep a uh, spoiler if you haven't watched it yet spock becomes fully human for an episode you know like he really right. does have like a big shift in his character that's <laughs> spock becomes stefan urkel and I guess there's also
1: that uh, episode of DS9, I think it's second skin, I think, where Kira wakes up as a Cardassian. Perhaps that
0: counts as well. No, it doesn't, because she's the exact same uh, personality and character.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's more okay. yeah physical
0: okay. transformation. Oh, well, anyways. Yeah, Let, let's start with the original series. I, I, I mean, it, it seems a little obvious, but, you know, um, Spock was in both, you know, the cage, you know, the original pilot... Uh, comes back and he's uh, the uh, still there with this entirely new crew. And, uh, you know, Kirk is always kind of the centerpiece of the show. But is Spock kind of the quintessential definition of a breakout character?
1: I would say so. In my mind, it's interesting because Spock is someone who, if you're creating that show, you're creating him to be somewhat of a magnet for audience attention because he's the alien on the show. That's inherently interesting. And you give him the ears, the kind of interesting alien elements. To me, that seems almost like designed to grab attention. But it seems like the show was genuinely like shocked at a certain point when Spock was getting more fan mail than Kirk was, and so they're, they're fictional characters. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, you I mean, Leonard Nimoy, Nimoy and Leonard was getting more than Shatner, yes. <laughs> um, but to me, like, I think that's really interesting that there was kind of a surprise there because I guess when I look at shows going forward, you know, when they're, for example, putting DS9 together, they are marketing Quark. They're like, you guys are going to love Quark. And I guess that wasn't what they were thinking in 66.
0: Yeah. You know, um, look, we, we could debate Spock so much. We've talked so much Spock. I, is there kind of another contender? What would be the kind of the next contender? Because the thing is, like, it, it always was essentially kind of a Kirk show, but Spock was yeah. always kind of that, like, uh, big presence there. I wouldn't call, like, McCoy the, the next sort of, like, breakout character or anything like that. Like, I, I don't know. Would it be... A Sulu? Would it be a Chekhov or or even a Scotty? Or, like, I I think, I guess more about pop culture and kind of the legacy of pop culture and just lines like, Beam me up, Scotty. Would Scotty be the next possible contender there? I'm wondering about Ahura, who was more of a recurring character who
1: became a very important figure on the show. And I don't know that that necessarily translates
0: to a lot of episodes. The thing is, she just never, she never really had much screen time, though. No, it's true. Um, It's
1: funny. I do feel like they put her on the show more going forward, but it was never, like, as you said, like, big significant moments or anything like that. Scotty gets a lot more to do, you know, scenes of him being captain on the bridge um, during away missions and things like that. Like, you can say, like, a Sulu, but I don't, I don't know that they gave Sulu a lot to do when you get to like seasons 2 and 3. If anything, I would say Chekhov is the one who gets a lot more to do in seasons 2 and 3 where he has actual stories built around him. Um, And I think that was just to appeal to a young demographic. So it's like, was he a breakout character or were they trying to draw on a young audience by creating
0: someone that would, you know, appeal more to their demographic? I really don't think that, you know, say Uhura or Chekhov could be considered like breakouts. You know, that's... It's just not what the definition of a breakout is, and that's why I kind of wanted to debate, like, is there any potential other one? And I just really don't think there is. I think, you know, the show is always centered around Kirk, and Spock was kind of essentially kind of the breakout there.
1: Yeah, the only thing is about um, Bones is that he's not in the main credits in season one, but he's added in season two. So that indicates they recognize the popularity of that character and the dynamic he has with the other two um during season one and so that does kind of shift the the direction of the show a little bit
0: but outside of that i I don't know i'd say it also indicates that deforest kelly deforest kelly's um agent um recognized (laughs) what was going on there because it's not as if the uh the creators of the show would have been like hey can we put you in the uh the main title sequence it would have been deforest kelly's agent going to them and saying you need to bump him up
1: yeah, especially as you move through season one because early on he has scenes with them but he's not part of the triumvirate and then you get to partway through season one. I'm sure at that point the agent is like, oh, here we go, here we go. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Let's jump over to TNG. Yeah, I mean, obviously the show is always the Picard show. Um, people, like, I like, I know the obvious one that you can point to is Data but the thing is you go watch TNG. Like, yeah. It is very obvious that Jonathan Frakes earns himself number two on the call sheet there. Like, he really is mm-hmm. the second um, character of the series after Picard. Um, you know, but the thing is, like, do, don't you think Data was always meant to be kind of a breakout? Like, they kind of had him in mind as kind of their version of Spock when they got to creating the show. Like, does he count as a, a breakout character?
1: Well, exactly. That's what I was saying up front. It's like, it feels like that's a character they knew going in. They wanted someone like a Spock who would be a character they could really market to fans, and, I mean, they succeeded. Uh, Data worked out great, but yeah, I don't look at him as sort of like this underdog that's discovered, and suddenly it's like, oh my god, we need to shift the direction of the show to to focus on him. I look more at a character like Worf, who's doing God knows what in season one, and then you watch the way, you know, they give him a couple episodes, and then suddenly Worf becomes one of the all-time most important characters in Star Trek.
0: It was just funny, like, watching the show as it aired and how iconic he was, how you would see, like, wharf cutouts, you know, the cardboard cutouts, like, in storefronts. Cam, you're, you're still holding on to one. It's in your apartment right now. Um, true. It's very true. Uh, Cam, true or false? Um, when Leonard Nimoy died, uh, one of the Daily Newspapers interviewed you and took a picture of you holding your cardboard cutout of wharf. True or false?
1: <laughs> that is 100% accurate. Um, I think it was next to me. I don't think I was holding the, the cardboard cutout.
0: You were cradling it with tears dripping down <laughs> I your... I was cradling my arms. <laughs> no, I was actually
1: holding, if we're to be technical, I was actually holding the art print I have, the Star Trek II Wrath of Khan print that's autographed by Shatner and Nimoy
0: okay okay oh well, we, we should link to that article so all of our listeners can take a look at that picture that uh we're talking about right now um yeah i i, I think Worf is kind of a good argument to make in terms of a breakout uh, you know yeah data i get it like he really was kind of just in terms of marketing across the series and, and how he became such a centerpiece for the films yeah 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 but I, i'm much more interested in maybe looking at some of the um Recurring stars of TNG, mm-hmm. you know, like O'Brien, they literally create a spinoff yeah. uh, for O'Brien called Deep Space Nine. He's on my list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have Ensign Rowe, who is also supposed to be part of that spinoff. That is an interesting one, though, because like O'Brien is such much more an example of an organic sort of kind of character growth oh we've got an actor that we like we keep giving him more and more he's got a good presence we think that he can be kind of a a good anchor for a new tv series Roe goes back to the, the sort of like engineered thing like you could tell that they had like a character that they wanted to create in mind they got a great actress to play that character and things all just kind of came together with the writing and the acting there to create what I would consider kind of a breakout character but but does she count as a breakout character if it's so engineered? That's season
1: five, right? Is that when she comes in, or is it season four?
0: Yeah, Ensign Rowe. I believe it's season five. And, and I'll also point this out. They kind of knew what they had with uh, Michelle Forbes, because uh, she had played like a uh, like a one-off guest star in season four. I, I'm blanking on the episode name, the one where um, uh, Loxana Troy had uh, that... Um, uh. Who Who is the guy from MASH who had to essentially like end his life at the age of 60? Uh, David Ogden Steers. Oh, isn't it called like Half a Life? Half a Life. Yeah, yeah. 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 So she she was in that episode. So I think they were like, okay, we like that actress. We've got a character in mind. Let's combine the two. But let's. it's almost like kind of she was engineered to be a breakout as well. And it also lands in season five,
1: which, you know, when you're a long-running TV show, that's around the point. They want to shake up the energy a little bit. So... I mean, Instant Rose is a character designed to shake up the energy. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah, I, I kind of like sit with you where it's like, is this a breakout character? I mean, you can say she is because it succeeded. They created a character who would shake up the energy of the show, and it worked, and fans genuinely responded and liked the character. Because there's an alternate scenario where they do that, and the fans are just like, I don't ever want to see this character
0: ever again. <laughs> That happened in Lost uh, season three. Um, I think uh, listeners familiar with Lost will remember uh, Nikki and Pablo, uh, for example, and the, the backlash is <laughs> it, it, quite visceral there. The reactions <laughs> uh, from audience, uh, which is amazing. Um, Cam, I, I, I'm I'm going to make this argument to you. I think the biggest breakout character from TNG, I think it was Q. I think oh. this is, was you know uh, like he was never part of the plan. Yep, they had the episode encounter at Farpoint, or meeting at Farpoint, as it was originally known as, and they had one hour of a script, and they're like, let's create more of a telemovie out of this, let's make it like a uh, two-hour series premiere, throw us another hour. So Gene Roddenberry created the character of Q, they hit the jackpot casting one, John Delancey, and he became just such a staple throughout the series, like almost at least once a season. You would get a Q appearance. Everyone was craving it. Um, He moved on, uh, appeared in three other spinoffs, Lord Dex, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, uh, uh, Picard, five other spinoffs. I think Q is the quintessential breakout character if we're talking TNG.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I thought you were going to say Barkley, um, who's a very significant character as well. But Q is far bigger, far bigger than Barkley. Um, And I didn't even think about Q, which is, yeah, that's interesting and I think makes complete sense. He is one of the key characters now woven into the fabric of Star Trek. And you know now, going forward, that whenever they create like a a figure like this who's going to pop up on the show, people are instantly going to draw comparisons to Q. So, yeah, I think this makes sense. And yeah, meeting at Farpoint... Uh, you know, that last-minute rewrite by Gene Roddenberry that introduced this character. I'm sure drawing on his, um, you know, having worked on Trelane on the original series. And the fact it felt so different and unique, and John Delancey brought so much to it. It's a character that has given so much in terms of storytelling, but it's always felt organic. It never felt like, even though they're doing like a Q episode every season or so, it never felt like it was the obligatory Q episode except for maybe the hide-and-cue uh, early on. But beyond that, it always felt like they had a interesting direction to take that character.
0: Yeah. Uh, you weren't a fan of watching uh, Wesley Crusher get uh, punctured through a bayonet? Is that what you're saying?
1: I mean, that episode... Isn't good, and there's things I enjoy just <laughs> on that level about it. Whether it is the Wesley uh stabbing or also the uh, penalty box, like there's things that I will always treasure about *Hide and Q*. But <laughs> when I look at the overall arc of the Q episodes, it's not a very good one.
0: Um, I just I, I can never wrap my head around why they never marketed him for a film. Like it just would have been so easy. He did not even need to be like, the central antagonist in a film. He could have been kind of the uneasy ally you know like very much kind of the role that he played in uh the final episode uh all good things right um but but I just wonder I don't know like like a lot of his like maybe the studio heads weren't all that interested in bringing back a uh TV character despite the fact this is a TV spin-off film franchise I just it just never really quite made sense to me from a marketing perspective why you would not bring back one of the most popular characters to ever come out of the next generation. I just don't know if they ever had a great grasp on
1: the TNG film franchise after the success of First Contact.
0: Well, it's just, I I mean, what was the, uh, uh, what was it called? Fade In, the uh, Michael Piller unpublished book in which he talks about kind of the development of Star Trek Insurrection. Um, You know, it just, it, it was as if it never occurred to them to even, like, consider Q as part of the film. Like, uh, from the get-go, like, they hired Michael Pillar right away to write the film, and he saw it all the way through, which is very, very, very unusual in Hollywood. You usually have, like, a couple writers, uh, you know, they'll uh, do different drafts. They aren't, like, writing partners or anything like that, but there's a whole is because Rick Berman was producing the entire film from Ground Zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just never even touched on the idea of having Q there— Jump ahead to Star Trek Nemesis. Um I I never got the sense that they ever considered Q to feature into that movie either.
1: No, no, they clearly had this darker, edgier Star Trek story they wanted to tell with Nemesis and I, it just doesn't even really have a place for Q. Uh so and I Brent Spiner had a story credit on that, right, with uh, John Logan uh, working on the script for that one as well? Like, I I don't know that Brent Spiner was like, I got an idea for Q. <laughs> <laughs> He's
0: like, I got an idea to take more screen time away from me.
1: Yeah, exactly, yes.
0: Okay. Okay, let's jump over to Deep Space Nine. Um, You kind of alluded to Quark, you know. Is that a character... You know, they're kind of engineering to be a breakout. Was he ever really a breakout? Can there be a breakout character on such an ensemble series?
1: I don't think Quark was ever the breakout they expected him to be. Like, I think they expected something much bigger. Whereas I would say, you know, Quark is a very beloved character. But when they're, like, putting him on Regis and Kathy Lee <laughs> in character, <laughs> like, they are expecting this to... You know, they're expecting Quark to rival, like, I think Spock and Data and some of the figures that would come further down the road, and I just don't think he ever got there. As much as we all love Quark, I think when you look at that show, there's so many dynamic personalities that you almost need, like, a stiffer cast. You need kind of a bunch of people that are maybe a little more reserved in their energy where a Quark can really pop, whereas DS9, that was not the case.
0: I just think, like, when we think Breakout... it it's always meant to be like coming from the most unexpected of places. Like I, I just, you know, and, and that's why I think you and I are kind of on the same page with like, can it really be a breakout if they're engineered to be a breakout? And, and that's why I think if I'm being honest, I think there's really only one contender for this. Although I, there's another one I, I'd like to float out there, but I, I think it has to be Dukat. I think Dukat was yeah. never supposed to be kind of the breakout that he turned into. It's just like they they last minute hired one Mark Alimo to play this character they had fired the previous um, actor that they had hired to play Ducat. It just was not working, and he became such a centerpiece of the show. Like, and he became incredibly popular to the point that the writers were getting frustrated about all the evil things he was doing, <laughs> and the audiences still just ate it all up and loved him.
1: I was going to mention that. Yeah, I mean, when you have him with the Klingon bird of prey, the whole audience is like cheering him on, and <laughs> it's like, uh this is not what we expected in terms of response to this character Ducat is yeah like I don't think they realized going into uh DS9 that they were creating like the greatest character in the hist- villain I should say in the history of Star Trek and I just it's that perfect like merging of actor and character that looks effortless on screen but when you watch enough movies and television and see enough villains, you realize how rare a thing it truly is.
0: I I'll, I'll push you again. Oh, not, okay. not not again. But but like, go and watch the episode from season seven, Covenant. It, it's not a oh, great yeah. episode. Yeah. But it's a fascinating episode. In in order to understand how frustrated the writers were with how popular <laughs> Ducat had become, because they were finally making him do just the most evil, like unequivocally evil things that you couldn't really justify. And you know, like, like, like he he tried he tried to blow the mother of his illegitimate child out of an airlock so that nobody <laughs> would find out. Yep. Just like I remember that. You know, just it, it was just stuff like that, and it, and like, and because like the baby came out looking half Cardassian, he kept saying, "It's the Paul race. It's a sign from the <laughs> Paul race." You know, just and like they're like, guys, this guy is a psychopath. Stop cheering for him. But the thing is, when you have, as you say, just that perfect kind of, like, element of acting meets writing, it's just going to happen. I, I I think Dukat is the definition of a breakout character. It's like a Heath
1: Ledger Joker uh, thing, where it's just like, it just clicks so perfectly that you almost can't explain it. I almost wonder, though, when you get to, like, later DS9 as well... Like and they strip him of the Cardassian look and give him the Bajoran makeover. If it's also like a, not only is this character loved, but he looks really cool and
0: everyone thinks he's really cool. And so let's try yeah, to make him yeah. less cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So you mentioned the Heath Ledger Joker. Um, some of the problems we have with those engineered uh breakouts are you end up getting something more like the Jared Leto Joker.
1: Uh, yes, yes, damaged on forehead.
0: <laughs> um, maybe a possible contender. Look, you've got like Wei introduced as a Vorta. Uh, they kill him off after one episode. They like Jeffrey Combs' performance so much that they suddenly create the whole idea that uh, Vortas are cloned all the time, and they bring him back because they love him so much. Uh Yun is a lot of fun, but it wasn't like he had a ton of depth to him, and I think it was just by the nature of him just being constantly cloned. I think it was only uh treachery faith in the great river in which he was on a bit of a road trip with odo in which they ever gave wayun any sort of depth so that's why I, I mean he was a fun character um probably not uh like, like I, I think people were surprised by uh, how much uh screen time he ended up getting hmm. but he's not quite how i define a breakout
1: that was the tough part of narrowing down breakout characters for me with ds9 which is that like ds9 stuck with its characters it was like, no, we are going to turn these characters into something. So it's like Wei shows up and is interesting, and Jeffrey Combs is always great. But they're like, you're going to see more of this character and more of it. And you know, you look at like uh, Vic Fontaine, for example, who fans nec- who weren't necessarily on board with, but the show sticks with them and makes them interesting. And so like, I was looking at like Damar, a character who is basically a background player early on. And then by the end, is like the hero of Cardassia and one of the major <laughs> roles of the finale. And it's like, how did this happen? But is was he designed to be a breakout character, or is it just that this show believes in creating an ensemble and developing everyone in that
0: world? What's it's so funny that like it, there's like, like what thirty recurring characters essentially, and um, of any note. And I think it's really interesting that I think Ducat was the only one that really became kind of a breakout despite the fact that you had so much more nuance with you know somebody like say kai Wynn, for example um nog is a really great example of them just like sticking with character growth where you, you meet nog in episode one yeah do you really think you're gonna spend seven seasons watching him grow <laughs> and become you know kind of a uh, a lieutenant in starfleet <laughs> like uh no um I, let, let me pose this one to you this is a bit of a quirky kind of uh me just having fun but uh uh, what about Intendant Kira? Yeah, here played by one of the main cast members, but not necessarily one of the stars of the show. It's an entirely different character here. But Intendant Kira, I don't know. I I I think she kind of maybe uh on the edge of being maybe a, a bit of a breakout character as well.
1: She has her own action figure, so that speaks well to her.
0: Um, Well, so does Lita, (laughs) And so does Vedic (laughs) Baral. That's Um, true. Where's my Shakar action figure? And Tosk. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs)
1: Tosk. And The Hunter. Um, Other (laughs) fan favorites. Um, Here's the thing about The Intendant that I wonder. Because, yes, I agree that that character became iconic on the show. If The Intendant doesn't click in that first episode crossover... Do you think they keep going back to the Mirror Universe or is it just the fact that like Intendant becomes such a like <laughs> strange
0: and hypnotic villain that they're like, there's a lot more we could do here? I think if you started the Mirror Universe with uh, Jennifer Sisko, I don't know if you would have been going back all the time. Uh, yeah. I, I I think a lot of it, they were having fun with the Mirror Universe. and I think what the Intendant did was provide them more inspiration. To keep going back. And I, you could just tell Nana Visitor was having so much fun, so much fun playing this character versus, I, I don't know, was Renee Bergernau loving the one <laughs> single episode that he got to play Odo in the Mirror Universe? Like, I don't know, he just kind of, he kind of seemed like a, a, a jerkier version of Odo.
1: Yeah, that one wasn't great, which, you know, probably is works out fine that he got blown up on the show. Who do you think was having the least fun in the Mirror Universe episodes? Like, which character was the one where you're like, really? Like, okay. Uh, they call him Smiley for a reason, right? Yeah, okay. I was thinking maybe Garrick, too, because he was uh, not exactly, you know, popping off screen
0: versus his normal episodes, his, his prime timeline stuff. Cam, are we morons? And I ask that rhetorically because the answer is always yes. But um, Garrick, breakout character. I didn't
1: put him on my list initially because he felt like someone who was so designed to be a key member of the show, just the way he was introduced, maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, I just think
0: the acting from Andy Robinson, though, like, like I think yeah. they struck gold and they ne- didn't necessarily know that that was going to work out that way.
1: I think you're right. Like, that episode, though, with him and Bashir feels like kind of like a special episode for introducing that character that, yep, to me, yep. it would be very strange if he had never come back. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, wow, what a, what a bold choice to build that episode around this random character in Bashir and then never you know, bring him back. Um, so I, I guess I really did consider that episode as a launch point for the character, and that is in season one. So I don't know. This falls into the like engineered breakthrough versus natural breakthrough.
0: I just think that if you had somebody other than Andrew Robinson playing him, I just don't know if he would have been as much of a presence on the series moving forward though like i just think that the way that the fans just clung to him and the way that they revere him now i think you got to put him down as a as a breakout character philip anglum as garrick (laughs) could you imagine (laughs) and then andy robinson as vedic (laughs) he would be the most beloved love interest that uh kira ever had seriously (laughs) i mean i would love to see those scenes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Him with uh, feeling her paw, you know, around the ears yeah. and all that. It would be very sensual. A much more sensual take. Uh- <laughs> the shirtless embrace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, Cameron. Uh, Star Trek Voyager. Uh, uh, this is interesting. I don't know. Do you think... <laughs> is is uh, Okay, you, you mentioned Seven of Nine. To me, I, I, I'm with you. It, it, it feels kind of a little bit too manufactured. I think she definitely... You 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 could totally make the argument for her being like a breakout character, but I, I think it's mostly kind of the Doctor that I got to go to here because like I don't think he is meant to be one of the uh, top three characters from the show uh, when you meet him in like the first season. I think he organically grew to become such a prominent part of the series to the point that he was at one point my favorite Voyager character, and then he just became so, so excruciating and just so full of himself. And, like, by season seven, I just, I couldn't stand him anymore.
1: Yeah, and I would say, like, the doctor, what really supports him as the breakout is that, like, the way he's designed early on as this character who's just kind of, like, trapped in the medical bay, like, it felt like more of a utilitarian character who just had, like, a a quirky actor, you know, inhabiting that role. And the fact they kept bending over backwards to find ways to develop him and make him a more um, you know, like interesting and compelling character on the show. I don't know that they went into it thinking like this could be kind of our riff on data. Um I, I feel like they were looking honestly maybe at Neelix as someone who could be their breakout character. They put so much effort into that makeup <laughs> that it feels like they really pictured a world where Neelix would be plastered on magazines and whatever. Well, they and tried. I don't think it ever happened, but they tried. I remember reading, oh man was it Disney Adventures Magazine? I think my sister had a subscription back in the day.
0: I remember Disney Adventures, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Does that line up with my age right? Maybe it does. But um, I recall like an interview with uh, Ethan Phillips in that magazine about it. And, uh, you know, uh, Neelix, is he a fan favorite? Uh, not really. Not really. But I do
0: think they were probably trying to create one. <laughs> I think it was like, they're like, okay, Deep Space Nine has its quirk. We need our own kind of like, uh, like quirky looking alien that uh, could be kind of fun to hang out with, and I think that's what they were trying to do with Neelix. Just didn't like. I don't know. We, we can go into how Voyager maybe had all this kind of unrealized potential throughout. I but I I also just kind of wonder if the Neelix and Kess like duo just always kind of doomed to fail you know just w- with regards to the material that they're giving them and and all that it just again like neelix was only useful uh, from the utilitarian perspective of being kind of a guide to that part of the uh quadrant for what like three seasons until they went past wherever he was familiar with and i i think that was a good send-off in, in fair trade and yeah uh, i think that was maybe my favorite neelix i think jitrell And Fair Trade were my two favorite Neelix episodes right there. And it's when they're giving him serious material, not like the goofy Haunting of Deck 12 Mm -hmm. sort of material.
1: And it feels like once he's the morale officer, it feels like they're almost trying to, like, create an anti-Quark. Because Quark has like a obviously darker edge and he's always conning his customers and things like that. But like Neelix, they were like, well, let's also put him in a kind of a similar situation where he is someone who oversees a social environment. But he's like the fun party guy. But then you get things like Neelix dancing and you're like, make it stop. Please, God, make it stop.
0: Well, do you know what would have made him interesting? Like he's not a Starfleet character. Uh, He's not even a Maquis character walking around in a uniform there. Look, you are on a starship with limited supplies um he should have been like in charge of some sort of black market aboard the ship you know like don't don't tell mm. chakotay or janeway you know or hey you need uh, a little extra i don't know dilithium to charge your holodeck or what I, I know i'm mixing my uh techno babble here but you know like i think it would have made him a more interesting kind of nuanced character if there's some sort of black market going on on voyager does that make him even more of a quirk character than if he's like running a black market i think that would have been interesting though so um yeah you know the apple tv uh series apple plus tv series uh for all mankind uh uh which is co-developed by ron moore um their uh, the mm. current season um takes place on a a, a base uh far from earth <laughs> in which there is a black market uh going on and it's very interesting kind of um some of the stuff that they bring up there and kind of logistics getting things back and forth between um earth and uh oh, spoiler uh they make it to mars at, at some point you know um cam the other thing this past season of for all mankind I, not not really a spoiler um but um so it's an alternative kind of history show yeah and so this past season uh took place in year 2002 i believe um and uh they established that there's only three star trek series um and yeah I I as soon as they mentioned that I was like, "Huh? Uh-huh. What, what what could that mean?" And there was a previous interview with Ron Moore um from like years ago and I totally missed that. He said that um there's obviously the original series that was made in this yep. alternate uh, history. And then Phase 2 also proved to be popular. And then um instead of the motion picture, they jumped straight into the Wrath of Khan and the Wrath of Khan was more or less as we saw it um, you know, in our universe. They never established what that third Star Trek series was. My guess, I I think it had to be TNG. I don't think there's a Deep Space Nine or Voyager in this alt history by the year 2002.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I guess Decker and Ilya had a much uh, more profound impact on the franchise (laughs) in for all mankind. Um, Unless, like, the third show, which wasn't revealed, as you said— is just left unrevealed because perhaps it's a spin-off of something that we don't have a comprehension as to what it would be, like maybe a breakout character on Phase Two or something like that, that then changes the direction of the franchise, and uh, so something like a TNG or a DS Nine doesn't make sense at that point. Star Trek Zon.
0: <laughs> don't rule it
1: out. Look where we are.
0: <laughs> somebody actually kind of is a little deflating when somebody pointed out on Reddit that the most likely um, scenario was that is the animated series. Oh, I mean that—that that would make
1: sense. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, Naomi Wildman—is she a breakout character? Ichab breakout character? Cam?
1: Um, I would say that Ichab is sort of designed to be one. Uh he does have his fans, but I don't think he ever um, quite exploded the way that uh, that maybe they hoped. It's it is weird because when I look at Voyager, it's a seven season show. Um, where are the breakout characters? Like, you have the Doctor right from the get-go. Seven is introduced as a intended breakout character. But, like, where are the, like, side characters that are coming in and kind of changing the direction of the show? It's weird that they don't really have any. Um, I guess you could say it's not a breakout character, but the Borg Queen, who I guess was a breakout character in First Contact, plays a pretty heavy influence on Voyager, you know, the midpoint onwards, but there's no, like, original creations really changing things up.
0: Yeah, I mean, not all TV shows end up with breakout characters, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Caroline in the City, Cam. Who is the breakout character from? Uh, Dharma and Greg. Um,
1: I-, I was just thinking, like, Caroline in the City. I don't think I could name a character other than <laughs> Caroline on that show.
0: No, there's City.
1: Well, that's true. <laughs> there was the City. <laughs> I don't know what City it was, but...
0: Wasn't the guy who did the... Uh... The color ink or whatever the uh wasn't he wasn't his name Richard? I
1: go oh my God, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a clue.
0: You didn't watch as much Caroline in the city back in the day as I did.
1: Come on, man, it would seem not no, I saw maybe like three or four episodes,
0: oh wow, cam okay. oh, uh anyways, moving on uh, mad about you, who was a breakout character for mad about you
1: uh was it Lisa kudrow's
0: waitress character Ursula, yeah. uh uh, perhaps perhaps i mean um i don't know Uh, okay uh (laughs) going in uh enterprise enterprise um look look i I think again we're going back to the engineered thing like we have that triumvirate we have uh archer to paul and we have one trip tucker i think trip tucker turned out to be a very very big fan favorite I don't know if you call him a breakout character, though. He was always meant to be kind of uh, part of the big triumvirate there. So I, I, I just don't think I can qualify him as a as a breakout.
1: No, I agree. He's part of that main three, right from intention. So uh, they're hoping that people like him and respond to that character. And they did. So it worked, but yeah. not mm-hmm. a breakout. And it is weird when you look at um Enterprise. It's like, well, let's just go down the list then. You got Malcolm Reed. You got Hoshi. You got Mayweather. Where where's the breakout characters? Where where are they, Tyler? They're hiding. <laughs> Admiral Forrest. Admiral Forrest is on the view screen, Cam. Flocks <laughs> yeah. uh, very popular. Um, is he a breakout character? I nah. guess kind of. Like he connects. He nah. connects more than Neelix does. I think I'll give him that.
0: Sure, but I just. Like a, a, you know, I, I think a breakout character is where you kind of recenter your show to a certain degree, and I think you could make yeah. more of an argument with Shran as being a breakout um, character there. And watch, they're like, "Oh, we've got Jeffrey Combs. Let's introduce the Andorians, and look, he proves solid there. Let's keep bringing him back, and bringing him back, and bringing him back." Yeah, I mean, Shran is the very clear, almost
1: like Garrick figure of um, Enterprise, and. They had to have known they had something right up from the get-go, right? Like, Jeffrey Combs has this long history with Star Trek. He's played recurring characters, you know, Brunt, and then also Weyoun on DS9. Like, when they're bringing him onto Enterprise, they must be expecting something when they're setting that whole, like, Andorian versus Vulcan uh, story arc up. Uh, but just the fact that he delivers so strongly, great visual, and I will always think of him, like, ice pick fighting with Archer. Uh, probably till my dying days. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah um uh the the one other character i'll bring up and i think it goes more towards what you're saying about deep space nine we've got characters like nog who are just kind of there organically growing um Saval, i could not yeah. stand that character for the first couple of seasons you know just a, a total prig and you go by the time you get to season four i'm like i like this guy gary graham is great is kind of the uh, the kind of a quintessential Vulcan with some nuance to him, and there's just that one moment where you know Archer said to Saval, like, "Oh, uh, I never thought that you actually liked uh, humans," and he said, and Saval says, "Thank you." You know, like he he wasn't <laughs> trying to like yeah. show off like his affection for humanity. You know, and the thing is, like he also pointed out, like I would not have stuck around Earth for as long as for all these decades. Had I not had some sort of affinity for your planet there, you know, I was just like, okay, I I get this guy now. And like, I don't know, it it was weird. It it was not until season four that I actually like like the character. Now, like when I go back and rewatch those episodes, you know, it's a little bit of retconning, but I kind of have like a, uh, a new affection for that character, even if he's being completely priggish in any given episode.
1: Yeah, that just feels to me like DS9. Uh, As you said, like developing the character over time, you could say not quite the same, but like Degra, for example, in season three, another character that plays a pretty significant role in the season, but it's someone who they very much designed to play a key story function and it works. But is he a breakout character? Uh, I don't see a lot of uh, Degra cosplay in Vegas.
0: I don't know. They did do that uh, movie this past summer based on Degra, right? Uh, I believe it was called Oppenheimer. (laughs) creates this weapon, doesn't know what it means, it could have so much impact on the uh, the universe as we know it, Cam, you know the fact that no Star
1: Trek fan saw fit to create a poster for that and post it on a Facebook group tells me enough.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Cam, uh, let's go to Discovery. I think there's really only one contender here. They literally create a spinoff all about him. I think it has to be Pike. But does he count as a breakout character yeah. despite the fact that he was initially introduced 50 years earlier in a pilot? I think he kind of does because he might be the
1: most unlikely breakout character (laughs) where it's someone from a rejected pilot. uh, And when you go back and watch that pilot, it's not like Pike is the most (laughs) charismatic character around. He's pretty bummed out. He's like whining on a bed about not wanting to be a Starfleet captain. Yeah, Yeah. he's like totally bummed out. You know, the doctor has to cheer him up and give him like alcohol. It's like, uh, okay, this is kind of strange. (laughs) It's the 60s, baby. It was the 60s. So the idea that, like, you flash forward, like, 50 years, and suddenly Pike is this beloved Star Trek captain <laughs> that uh has been played by Bruce Greenwood and now Anson Mount, and, like, what? We live in a world where Pike is now a major Star Trek icon and a beloved
0: one at that. Like, fans were begging for a Pike spinoff, and I, I think, you know, Kiva Goldsman had already said that he wanted to do a Pike spinoff. But the thing is, if you did not cast a great actor who really could have this sort of like um, main character presence about him, who could mm. just where it would be very obvious he just could not serve as kind of the spine for a series. I don't know what the chances are of them going forward with like the spinoff. But the thing, like fans were clamoring for it. They were begging for it, you know? And I think that is the very definition of a breakout character.
1: It also feels like a lot of the viewers of early Discovery went with Pike to Strange New Worlds and <laughs> yeah. left Discovery behind. Like, you know, you just look at like the difference in buzz for those two shows, it's very clear that whatever um, you know, Anson Mount was delivering, people were picking it up and loving it. And uh, yeah. Um but I was gonna say with Discovery, what about like a Mirror Giorgio and... who is going to be now the star of a motion picture?
0: Yeah. Uh, well. As a streaming <laughs> motion picture, yeah. A streaming motion picture. Yeah. <laughs> it's in motion. <laughs> Look, guess what? Like, all movies are eventually going to be streaming motion pictures anyway. So, um, yeah. I, here's the thing. I, I <laughs> She Doesn't that seem more of a manufactured thing, though? It's where you've got Michelle Yeoh. Uh-huh. Michelle Yeoh loves being part of the Star Trek universe. She is telling the writers, make me my own spinoff. I want to do this, I want this character. um Mir universe Giorgio definitely like grew on me um mm-hmm. uh, I, I know I've said this a million times, but it's when they started making her arch that I actually started like enjoying her presence um the whole like terrible murdering psychopathic thing like not really my jive, you know, but um is she a breakout i I gotta say no, like i just i I feel as if like. It's just more, the reason she's getting a streaming movie is not because of fan demand for any such thing.
1: Mm-hmm. What about Culber, a character that was set up and in, incredibly likable in season one, and then they kill him, and the outcry is very loud to the point where they create this bizarro, reverse-engineered um you know, back from the Dead Culver episode, and he suddenly becomes a very key member of the crew going forward. I don't think that was in the plans
0: in season one. I just think it was... Killing him off in the way that they did was an egregious mistake. Yeah. And I think more than anything else, the writers wanted to correct an egregious mistake by making yet another egregious mistake by bringing him back the way that they did. You know, I just... And for us to... (laughs) And say, that makes him a breakout. I just, because, uh, like, where are we now with Culber, you know, uh, going into the final season of Discovery? Like, I just, I don't think we're with him the same way that you could point to a character like the Doctor from Voyager in which he really is becoming so much more of a uh, a center. I, again, I, I think with breakout characters, they kind of, like, um, bend the arc of a series a little bit towards them to a certain degree that like we saw, say, Descott, for example.
1: Right, yeah, and Culver in the last season of Discovery, um, I recall therapy sessions. Um,
0: yeah. What else was there? Well, he was helping raise that forty-five-year-old adopted child of his. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. What else? Cam?
1: Not exactly steering like major story on the show, really.
0: Yeah. Who do you think they wanted to be their breakout? Do you think it was George or do you think they were like, oh, you know what, Tilly? is going to be kind of the anchor of the series or Saru or in your case um uh Sukal <laughs>
1: I think both Tilly and uh Saru are very uh viable candidates for that pick there because Tilly is very quirky and silly and I'm sure they were like this character is going to you know just take the world by storm and I think kind of did for a while and I think Tilly is kind of Faded in popularity over the last season or two. Uh, and she also faded in screen
0: time in the last season as well. Why not? I was going to say that. <laughs> like, like you can't be a breakout and then just, like, that like you're so popular, we're writing you out of most of this entire season.
1: Yeah. And then, like, Saru, I'm always generally of the opinion that when they create, like, a new alien character to be, like, one of the main leads on their show... They're thinking breakout character, so they didn't really give through a lot of great material in season one, but I have to imagine in the back of their minds, they're like, we've got Doug Jones, this incredible, you know, makeup creation, fans are going to love it. They had to have been expecting a breakout, right?
0: Yeah, I think I, I think they were expecting it, you know. The problem is, like, as of season four, he has, like, no raison d'etre, you know, like the, 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 like, what is... You know the question you always have to ask about your characters is what do they want? yeah, cam i'm I'm watching season four. I guess what he wants is a relationship with the Navarre presidents. But does he want that, or is he a little bit uncertain like 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 it's that's a problem is is when you don't really know what your char- your main characters want it It makes it harder to be invested in them, and they set up that whole Baul
1: drama early in the show and then they kind of resolved it incredibly yeah. quickly <laughs> and it was like no that's over
0: they're good kelpians are yeah. fine it felt very much like a tos kind of uh episode you know like conflict of the week between alien species resolved after 40 minutes uh, because you know kirk's good at talking
1: yeah and i am at that point when i'm watching it used to the world of like ds9 where it's going to take me like <laughs> you know seven television years to get to the end of a storyline <laughs> versus the discovery method of like resolving it after
0: 45 minutes. I do. You know, I, I want to give that much more appreciation uh, to the season one Strange New Worlds episode. Uh, lift, us, lift us up where Sorrow something something does not... I think it was Suffering. Suffering Cannot Reach. Um, You know, which is an episode like you and I didn't really feel like all that awesome about uh, when it aired. But when we rewatched it, um, you and I both came around on that. Like, uh, like, independently, we weren't messaging each other. It was only when we both did the podcast that we we realized that we both actually suddenly liked this episode. But again, it wasn't like they resolved the central conflict of this alien planet. By the end of it. And, and yeah. that's very unusual for Star Trek. And so I, I actually, one of the other reasons why I really came to appreciate that episode. Uh, I just, I, I think that the thing is, like, knowing how that episode was going to end, like, I think it helped you understand what was going on kind of um, in terms of, again, I, I bring up character motivations in terms of kind of the, uh, the doctor parental figure, um, the child in that episode. It, it, it made the episode make so much more sense because you knew where things were eventually going.
1: Yeah, no, I agree very much. That was the biggest surprise on that revisit of season one, Strange New
0: Worlds. Um, I was going to ask you, would you consider Tarka to be a breakout? No, just because maybe the first two episodes he was in. And then, you know, Discovery's got a Discovery and the character just kind of loses steam by the end of it. And he kind of ends up where (laughs) so many other Star Trek Discovery characters are in the uh, meh pile you know kind of an ash tyler sort of situation you know where like if tarka never comes back i'll be okay because the tarka as we left him off i'm just like oh this is character this character is just not interesting anymore yeah yeah is grudge a breakout character oh obviously i i think a yeah. uh, certainly among a uh, a certain segment of the cat loving community of star trek fans <laughs> <laughs> um okay cameron is, is there a breakout character in star trek picard
1: I would say in terms of response, Rios was very popular out of the gate, but uh-huh. I don't know that he changed the direction of I know. the show. I don't yeah. know that the show like cared about him at all, considering what happened You know, where he dies in a bar fight and isn't even in season three. He dies
0: off screen <laughs> in a bar fight. <laughs> like... Yeah.
1: Uh. In the world of Picard, I guess, and I'm not talking about in terms of our response or fan response... Um, or at least the vocal fan response, it would seem like Raffi is, just given the fact that she got all three seasons and then is set up to potentially appear in if they decide to do a legacy or a movie or something like that. Uh, like, I guess Raffi no, is no, behind okay. the scenes the one no, they're pushing, no, but it's no, not a breakout character. It's not popular.
0: Good, good. She <laughs> is not a breakout character. She uh, uh, By no definition is she a breakout character. Uh, uh, how dare you even try to float uh. that Ketamine-induced idea that you must be uh, <laughs> uh, push, pushing out there. Now, how dare you, uh, Michelle Hurd? Snake venom, actually. <laughs> Michelle Hurd, lovely person. I've, we've seen her in Vegas. She seems like a very lovely person, but like they gave that character terrible, terrible material to work with, and that that just doesn't happen with breakout um, characters, or, or, or at least on the whole. Like we, we've seen some breakout characters get some pretty bad material. Um, l- let me throw this out to you. Um, <laughs> Seven of Nine as a breakout on Star Trek Picard after already being introduced in another series, and I'm bringing that up only because we called Pike a breakout character, and he had been introduced in entirely a, a different series. Um, You know, forget about the cage, go back to the menagerie. That's where we first met Pike.
1: Yeah, although I don't know. It's just like Seven of Nine is such like a obvious fan favorite to throw in there to, you know, kind of give the show a real jolt. I mean, the fact that fans were like swooning and fainting, just seeing her pop up in the trailer for season one, is that like a breakout character? Or is that, you know, an addition that's going to get it, you know, build excitement?
0: I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, but I think by how we're defining it, it's like a character that, A, uh, the, the, the writing is there, the acting chops there, that kind of charisma. And then also they kind of reorient the story. Of the series towards them, mm, um, yeah, I think they did do that with seven of nine. There, I I don't know about their the written material, but um, I think you could make the argument that you know. But, but the thing is, just like how do we define? It, it's such a weird definition that you and I are kind of playing with a little bit. I I, I ultimately don't think you can make the argument that there is any sort of breakout character on Star Trek: Picard. You know, yeah, it, it's very much like a Caroline in the City sort of situation.
1: Well, exactly, and it's like, you know, sorry, Ed Spaliers fans, but, like, I know that character, you know, connected with people, but, like, the show can't prove him to be a breakout because what you saw was what was designed. Yeah. And then they can't follow up on it, so—or they—who knows if they will, but at the moment, they have not followed up on that character, so, like, is he a breakout? I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um, Lower Decks, is it— uh peanut hamper i don't know like it's just kind of the, the problem the problem with an animated show is like um you need so much lead time for the writing plus the animation and then you get the voice actors in there and then maybe only two seasons later you're realizing that you know maybe x character is a lot of fun to do can we give x character more screen time but maybe by then it, it, you know I, I i just i don't know if animated shows actually no no i i, I take that back because could you not make the argument that maybe Homer Simpson be kind of became the breakout character of The Simpsons when, you know, kind of mm-hmm. Bart was supposed to be kind of the spine of that series when it first started off?
1: Or even like Mr. Burns plays a much more prominent role as the show keeps going.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't think there is a breakout character on Lord Dex, which isn't to speak poorly of the show like maybe we did with Uh Picard. I just think the show is always meant to be an ensemble and it's continued to do so. The only one, and I don't think this quite fits the criteria, is that Shaxx,
1: to me, seems to be getting more to do now than he was early on. And we have had people on the show who've talked about Lower Decks and how they really like Shaxx. I think you're right. I think this
0: doesn't meet the criteria. <laughs> Fair enough. Moving on. <laughs> um, Star Trek Prodigy? I, I Again, I go, I go to the whole animation mm. factor there. I just... Uh, yeah. It, Hollow Janeway? I don't know. Like um, but the thing is, if you put Kate Mulgrew in a show, I think you're gonna get a lot of great Kate Mulgrew material. And I think they kind of expect that, so that's why I can't necessarily. You know, Hollow Janeway is an entirely different character from Catherine Janeway, you know. So you might make an argument there, but I just based on the criteria that we've been going with so far, uh, your Shaq's shout out aside, um, I just don't think there is kind of a prodigy breakout.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough to gauge off one season, no matter how far apart that season was spaced.
0: <laughs> it felt like five seasons.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, let's have a look at season two, and yeah. maybe we'll see a character come to the forefront, but at the moment, it's too tough to gauge. It's not the Diviner? Uh, I don't think it'll be the Diviner, but <laughs> it could be someone, like, in the main Prodigy team who suddenly becomes a little more elevated. We could see that.
0: Okay. Star Trek. Strange new worlds. I, l- let me ask you this. Who do you think has the most potential to become a breakout? Keep in mind, like I, I can, it, by our definitions, can it really be like a, a Spock or a Pike if they no. have already been breakouts, you know? Um, and, and I kind of tried to make that argument with seven of nine. I don't. And I think I even admitted that she doesn't quite qualify. Um, Nurse Chapel again. She's always been around. With you know, going back to the original series, uh, number one was kind of there in like the menagerie and all that. As I, I, I just don't know if this is a show that lends itself to kind of the typical definition of um, kind of uh, good, you know, breeding ground for breakouts. Yeah, like Laon I think is more popular than I expected going yeah, yeah. into the show. Perhaps Uhura has a lot more to do. Oh, she definitely has way more to do in Strange New Worlds than she ever did in the original series.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. The one I'm wondering about, and it isn't applicable yet, is Ortegas, who there's been a lot of (laughs) fan support for. And seasons one and two, we did not see much at all. But I'm wondering, like, now that, like, they've had time to process that response,
0: if we might see Ortegas being boosted in season three. Um Listeners, uh, Cam and I are tight, so that that, that that's why I, I always have no problem like making fun of Cam. Yeah, uh but so far you've said, Raffi, Ortegas, the breakout <laughs> characters of Star Trek, the epitome. Um, I'm not
1: saying I'm not saying Ortegas <laughs> is. I'm saying know, this is like a wait and see because I do <laughs> think like we might see for season three that suddenly Ortegas does become a little more prominent.
0: I'm gonna wait and wait. And wait, I don't think I'm going to be seeing Ortega's become a breakout character here. Um, I don't know, Cam. I know it. I, I don't know why you keep texting me this. I see it. Okay, you can stop texting me. It's not Commander Pelia. No matter how much you love Pelia, <laughs> uh, she is not the breakout character. And it's not Kirk either. <laughs> <laughs> but only because he's already been featured in Star Trek before. That's the only reason why, right, Cam? Uh, yes, I would say so. Um, <laughs> yes, that's the only
1: reason. It has nothing to do with kind of the, uh, the the acting or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, they set up, like, Captain Angel in Season 1, and I thought, oh, maybe that could be, like, a recurring villain that could really be interesting. But so far, we haven't seen a reappearance yet, so that doesn't count at
0: all. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that there, at this point, there aren't any breakouts. And so when I think about who has the most potential to become one, it's tough because even somebody who I like, like Mabenga, even though his Jason Bourne backstory I, in season two, I thought was really stupid. I, I legit thought it was dumb. Yeah. It's just that there's so many more, like, um, like uh, pre-existing characters on the show than I ever expected. So that really narrows our list down to, what, like, Laon in terms of, like, the main cast. And, uh, you know, Pelley is not even the main cast. Um uh, so then we had uh, oh, who uh, what was the name of the uh, the Enar uh, main engineer? Why am I blanking on Bruce? Uh, Hammer. Oh, so? Hammer. So we've got like Laon and Hammer and Ortegas. Um, I just, uh, I, I mean, hammer has gone, uh, so I, I guess the most potential Laon, I suppose, yeah, where we sit now, yeah, I would yes, say Laon, yeah, so um. <laughs> Uh, For me, uh, when it comes to Star Trek Prodigy, most potential, maybe Jacob (laughs) Pog. Yeah, okay, okay. Just kind of the goofy. If this is like a family show, kind of the the goofiest character might do well with the kids.
1: True. We'll see what happens with Murph uh, as the evolution continues. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Kim, um, what about the films? Who is the one and only, like, you got to pick just one breakout character from the entire film franchise? Borg Queen? Yeah. That's what i, I think. thinking. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would say like
1: Savick is very popular, but once Kirstie Alley departs the role, that character kind of takes a hit in terms of focus and also just, I think, popularity. Uh, Borg Queen has held strong for a long time. Yeah.
0: All right, sir. Well, um, I don't know. Why don't we come to a consensus here? Like quickly go through. So would you say Spock from the original series? Yeah. Q, Or is it Worf?
1: Let's go through it quickly. Uh, Worf or Q? I think Worf, just given like his immense popularity and importance to the franchise. I'll go with Q myself. Uh, we don't have
0: to agree on everything. Okay. Uh, DS9, is it Dekat? Yeah, it's Dekat. Voyager, the Doctor? Uh, yes. Enterprise, uh, Shran? Yeah. Discovery, Pike?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Picard, um, Raffi, as you say? <laughs> Team Raffy. <laughs> Uh, I, I would say Picard, just one of those shows, never had a breakout character, which nothing wrong with that. Uh, Lower Decks, yeah. same deal, no breakouts. Prodigy, yeah. no breakouts, and Strange New Worlds, no breakouts. It, it's interesting, like how just kind of new Trek. I don't think it, it quite lends itself to breakouts, or at least so far, the same way that um, you know TOS through Enterprise did. No,
1: yeah, I agree. So I mean, it's interesting, you know, that we'll see as these other shows on the air now continue to uh continue onwards like strange new worlds and prodigy if we see some breakouts like maybe in a few years we're talking about like talin change the entire direction of lower decks who knows right i'm pretty confident that that will not be the case <laughs> well fair enough she may not be the next raffi <laughs> <laughs> okay yes exactly okay so on that note our assignment is complete if you enjoyed listening to this podcast we want to hear from you jump on over to the facebook page at
0: facebook.com slash subspace pod tyler what are we doing next week we'll be coming back we won't reveal the episode just yet but we'll be doing another one of our classic star trek episode reviews so tune in and find out which series it is make sure you watch that episode uh actually maybe i should have told you guys what the episode is so you could watch it in advance but look it'll, (laughs) it'll come up on your feed and then you put it in your queue and you can listen to it later.
1: That's right. And uh, maybe if we figure it out, I can put it in the show notes before I post the episode. That would help <laughs> as well.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. You can, of course, reach us on the Twitter. I'm at Cam. V as in Vedic Barile, the greatest breakthrough character
0: of all time, Smith. Uh, you can find me at and That's R as in Rafi. Uh, e. P. O. O as in Ortegas. R. T. (laughs) T is until in. O N.
1: Okay, so until next time, the arena is closed. (laughs) Where's my Shakar action figure? (laughs)